Welcome to the Come Clean Pod, a place where we take the taboo out of TMI. We're stripping away shame and eradicating embarrassment through conversations held with honesty, humor, and humanity. We're your hosts. I'm Holiday. And I'm Mando. Come with us while we do our dirty laundry. Hello. Hi, my friend. Hi. How are you? Do you want to hear like my newest problem that I'm having? Always. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I take a picture lately, I, I like throw up a peace sign and I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm like, <laughs> it's like a nervous yeah. thing, but I never, I've never done that before in my life. So I just, I don't know why it's happening, but it is. Yeah, that's so interesting. Like, <laughs> I do that. I do that a lot because I'm like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> well, when we had our photo shoot with my cousin, um, Ashley Green Photography, or I think she goes by Ash now. Um, she was helping us with our hands <laughs> because oh, we sure. both were like, ah, like, I'm what a T-Rex I and I don't know what to do. Yeah, I get that. I understand. Um. Yeah, we went last night, my husband and I went to watch the Barbie movie because I've been very excited about seeing it, which I'll give I it a, a very lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, mixed review. Um, oh, really? Oh, I okay. I'm I want to hear what you think. My thoughts are that there were some really like very powerful moments that could have been that could have been very powerful, like the messaging. But something about the writing was just like missed a little bit. So it made it kind of like cheesy and there were some awkward slow moments and it was kind of like a train wreck that you can't look away from. But also Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie, like they're both so pretty. I loved it. I cried. I um, I thought those moments where the writing was like, I thought that it was like very self-aware. I thought that it was like, we're doing this. Like we know who we are. We know what we're doing. Like. They, I felt like they were poking fun at themselves a little bit. Um, you know, there was that part where um, stereotypical Barbie, Margot Robbie, mm -hmm. was like, I'm ugly now because I'm not perfect. And then the narrator comes in and he's like, well, we really shouldn't have cast Margot Robbie if we, yeah, yeah, if we yeah. wanted someone to look ugly. And I was like, I thought this the whole time, but at that point I was like, they're making choices. Like the, the screenwriters and the directors are making choices to be like, huh? Like a big, like ding, wink. Yes. Yes. Of like, we know that this is about Barbie. So we're making feminism and like the patriarchy, like we're making it palatable, but also like this is real. You know, yeah. like the scenario is not real. Like we know that we're using a doll and fantasy land to talk about or to just like plant some seeds of like, hey, things could be different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, have you guys even ever thought about how like how the discrepancy of power is like have like, can we just maybe talk about it? Like it's bizarre. Yeah. like it's bananas to me that we have to use a doll to even like make it okay to have these conversations but i think it i think it's amazing because it at least got it was um i didn't read the actual article but i had a private yoga client 
yesterday and she was telling me that it was like the biggest movie box office weekend ever. And so that means it wasn't all women. So that means that like right. it, it could have planted the seed of these ideas for so many people because I felt while watching the movie so many moments, like at least 10 moments where like I was like that. Oh, my God. Like I, so relatable. Like the um, the dating, the way that Ken describes Barbie as his long term, low commitment, <laughs> casual girlfriend. I almost threw my snacks on the floor because I was like, <laughs> like, is that not exactly what I just ended? My situationship was exactly a long term, low commitment, casual girlfriend. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. So and the way they described like, OK, so we we need the when they were playing the guitars at the fire and they're like, he's he's going to stare at you and sing at you for sing at you for four minutes. Like I have a delightful ex-boyfriend who I still love very much, who we're, we were great friends. And I wish that we could still be like active friends, but we're not there yet. But like, this is absolutely something I experienced of like playing music at me. And I'm being like, what, what do I do? Like, yay do I look at you like it's so it was so relatable to me being a single woman like and walking around and Ken Ken is like everybody's looking at me and there's like not a single threat of violence and Barbie is like no for me there's definitely an undertone of violence like yeah I think that there was uh, there were a lot of very powerful messaging moments especially when um i think the character is uh, the actress is america um, <gasps> america ferrera yeah her, her uh she kind of goes on this like rant in when she's in weird barbie's mansion and she talks she starts just going about like you know you have to be submissive but you can't be x and she continues to go down this list it's like basically her like speech of the movie and i was like yeah that's all very true yeah you have to be thin but you can't be too thin you have to be pretty but you can't be too pretty you have to be a mom but not just a mom and Mm -hmm. which is so good for what we're about to dive into today because she talks so much about i feel like it really embodied all the different roles that everybody expects or feels like they need to play into or create a sense of community but also a sense of self and it was a very the messaging was definitely there I had some I had some mushy moments too and I will say one thing before we continue on was my favorite part of the movie was and I don't want to like spoiler alert anyone but um when Barbie is sitting on the bench in the real world and she's sitting next to that older woman and she just looks at her and she says you're so beautiful and the woman looks at her and goes I know and it was like it was oh I, that made me cry. Mm-hmm. I got a little teary eyed. I loved I loved that. I also as a funny moment, I loved when uh Ken was like, "Well, I thought I thought maybe I'd sleep over tonight." And Barbie was like, "Why? I don't want you to." And what would For we what? do? And yeah. he's and like, what, "What would we do?" And he goes, "Uh, actually, I don't I don't, I don't really know." <laughs> and she's like, "It's girls' night anyways." Like I just loved how how not dependent on his opinion she was. And like, speaking of roles, this is something that I personally am working really hard. I don't know that I'm working really hard, but it is really hard work 
to break out of of I realized recently how much of my life and energy has been focused on okay how do I squish myself into just being the thing that the person in front of me wants like people will be telling me a story especially men telling me a story and I'm like okay what is it that they want me want from what do they want from me here oh oh they want me to be impressed oh they want me to think that that was brave i'm like wow you know like like mm-hmm. s- my first thought is typically like what is this person looking for from me like it comes from like a genuine place of like i want to give them i want to give what people need i want to meet their needs but like but wait <laughs> What about mm-hmm. what about me and my experience? Like realizing that I'm I've been acting and presenting my whole life means that I haven't had many genuine, honest connections with people. And then it's hard to it's hard to then like blame other people for not staying in my life. It's hard to it's hard to say like, oh, well, they don't appreciate me. Well, they don't even know me because they know some version of themselves that I am trying to like show like that I like some assumption of what I think they want. And like, who even am I? Well, this is all like conditioning over time mm. because that thing you're talking about where you're in a conversation with someone and you're kind of brain reeling like what does this person want from me exactly I also don't think it's like super conscious I think it's like on a level below like on a more like a subconscious level for me from my experience anyway because you are trying to receive information about whatever the conversation is about but also at the same time what do you actually think about it? What do you actually feel about it? What on the flip side does this person need from me in exchange? And the conditioning over time, I think happens because we're kind of put into some of the roles that we are put into are not by choice. Mm. And we're just born into them. Every single sentient being on this planet has a role or a purpose in some way. And we're basically born into that. We don't have a choice. And it's whether or not we adopt those roles and what they mean to us. Right. And what what our caregiver expects of a son and a daughter. Like, I have a daughter and my daughter acts like this. And the way a good daughter, you know, like our our caregivers most likely had expectations. And so they're reactions to our behavior when we were young because of like survival and the way that our brains form we're like oh okay well when i don't have an affect when someone tells me something that is not met well okay so i need to learn how to make my face move when people tell me things and then that's like extrapolated over the last 36 years to be wow Oh no, like mm-hmm. it it all comes from these really early expectations, yeah, that were just basic expectations from the roles that we were born into, I think. 
The interesting thing about that when you're in any relationship role is that I think last time during one of our other conversations, we, you were talking about like being a closed system and mm-hmm. like having your own, right? We're all going to have our own closed system. Like we're going to have our own at some point. We learn to think for ourselves. We learn to have our own real thoughts, opinions. I think we go through like a transformational phase too, where we can come to a point where we start to question, who am I and what do I actually want? It usually happens later on in life after we've kind of tripped over some of these experiences. I mean, I think not to interrupt you, but like, I think this is, I I just recently have been like, oh, wait, I, I can... I can ask myself what I what I need, what I want. Like it's just yeah. happening now. Yeah. And I I just personally went through a huge transformation of this myself because even in the last, you know, my my oldest daughter is 6 now, so I've gone through that stage of having, you know, dating, getting married, having children, doing the thing that I have always viewed as the way life should be. These are the natural steps of life. This is the order that we do things. We date, we get we get engaged, we get married, then we wait a little bit and then we have kids and then we are successful and I am going to be a mom who can do it all. And oh my god, that is not how it went. It was a, that that part of my life made me question everything. And I think up until today, uh I can finally feel like I'm starting to kind of come out of like the, I feel like the seed that like kind of like finally came out of the surface that's like, okay, I kind of now have gone through that process of what I actually want. But going back to what I was saying about being a closed system, I don't know that we ask those questions in our own closed system, like meaning I'm going to have all of these different thoughts about the way I view the world. But I'm just realizing them now. And so the, I feel like the issue that happens in role playing, whatever the role is, is that we get into trouble when we get into relationship and we don't have any idea about what the other person's closed system is like either. We immediately just kind of fall into like, there's going to be an expectation. Anytime you come into a relationship, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It can be a friendship. It can be a job. When you apply for a job, there's usually a role description and you say to yourself, these are now the expectations that this job is going to have of me and I need to fulfill those expectations. So that's what I'm signing up for. And we don't have those conversations or those ideas until usually we're like, 80% invested and we realize it then. And I feel like that's when we get into trouble with role-playing because we try to fit ourselves into someone else's idea of a role versus having the open discussion beforehand. (laughs) My God, (laughs) I'm having like a visceral reaction right now. I'm, I'm feeling back into so many conversations in therapy and in relationships not not even actually not even in the relationships but about relationships with other people where i have said <laughs> if 
if someone just told me what they wanted from me, if someone just told me what the rules were and what the expectations were, then I could follow them. I have no problem following expectations, but if I don't know what they are, then how can I make anybody happy? How can I not break the rules? I'm go- Of course, I'm going to upset people if I don't know what the expectations are. And like this disconnect. Mm-hmm. And this and like there's two parts to this. One is is that exactly what you're saying of like yeah, this is a big issue of like we should we should be having these open conversations open and freely like all the time everywhere. First mm-hmm. of all, but the part for me that is so so visceral and so like uh right now is in saying all of this like if I knew what the other person's expectations were, then I could do the things to to keep it copacetic. But what about my expectations? What about who I am? What about my ethics? What about my boundaries? And that's where I feel like, I mean, for me personally, a lot of my work has to come from is is I've recently, you know, over the last couple of years, realized this concept of like, oh, I am a being. I have I have a closed circuit that then interacts with others. And that means that I can have expectations as well. And it's not that like, if someone doesn't fit in with them, I love your job um, analogy, because if someone is not a right fit, for a job, it doesn't negate them as a person. It doesn't, it doesn't deteriorate their being or their essence. It's just not a great fit for the company. And, and it's the same with people. Like you can still love and accept and honor each individual person. And also they can not be the right fit for the job whether it's right. a friend or a romantic partner but we have to have our own integrity in order to not just be like not to go not to be too cheesy but like Ken at the beginning of Barbie like mm-hmm. when Barbie has a great day every day Ken has a great day if Barbie looks at him i feel like that's that's how i've existed and that comes from early developmental stuff where if i didn't you know i didn't f- I think now through a lot of I didn't know it at the time, but through a lot of like analysis and stuff that I I wasn't acceptable just as I was. I didn't get the loving kindness and compassion just as I was. So I needed to start presenting as a daughter, presenting like daughter in quotes, needed to start presenting as a sister. I needed to start because the way that I was didn't fit everybody's job description. And in order to survive, I had to adjust. And then when I got out into the world, I didn't realize I knew that I never felt I never I never felt like I really fit in, but I could fit in anywhere. Like I could I was in a sorority. I was also kind of in a fraternity. I lived there for a little while. Like well I I totally I get exactly what you're saying. Because, well, the general theme of my life up until now, and listen, I'd be lying if I was like, I'm 
healed and I totally love and approve of myself and I don't care what anyone thinks. <laughs> but I think it changes it and makes it so powerful to know where it came from. Because for my entire life, everything you're saying, there has been a very deeply ingrained little girl who just wants to be approved of. I just want you to like me and approve of me. And if there's some signal that I get that you don't like something, I'm like, oh, uh, okay. Well, I, I still want you to like hear what I'm saying, but but you still like me, right? Like I want to have my own opinion and my own values, but I want you to like me more. So I'm kind of willing to kind of keep pushing that under the rug and ignoring it for my whole entire life just to get your approval. And when that's sort of like an underlying thing that you carry around with you, it translates into every single aspect of your life. And when you realize it, when you like really, really, really realize it, you recognize how much it affects you daily. I mean, you. I'll say this now, like on air, because we both have come from a, the yoga background, and that's actually how we met. For anyone that is listening, that's how Holly and I met during a yoga training, our 500 hour. And I so highly respect our teachers, and I want to be a part of that community. And I feel like there's some low level thing inside of me that's like, if I don't show up at the thing and they don't see that I'm there, then they're not going to like me. And that's just not actually true. And so I started to realize that I was showing up at things just to be, to what, get the approval from someone else? Like, then I'm, then I've lost, I've lost myself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I mean, we've talked about this off air as well. And I, I, there's very much a part of me that has always been looking around, like, not, not, I used to think that it was like, are you my mother? Will you be my Which daddy? Which is my favorite. Are you my mother was my favorite childhood book. One of my favorite. So I just, that's very ironic. My favorite childhood book was a book called, uh, I think it's called Ping. And it's about this duck that is lost from his family. And he goes looking for his family. So there's a theme there as well. Oh my God. <laughs> We need to bring this up in our, to our therapist in our next meeting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's interesting to me to hear that at the root of what we're both saying, that it's it's very similar of we were we did not feel or ex we, our experience as babies was not that of unconditional love and acceptance. Because if if you if if unconditional love and acceptance is planted in you from birth or when you're little, then nothing, nothing, like it doesn't matter to you if anyone else approves of you because you know that in the world you are safe and unconditionally loved. Like if one person unconditionally loves you and you can believe it because it, it you can believe it if it... This is, it's hard to like make tangible, but this is my theory. My theory is if when you're a baby and 
you truly experience unconditional love, then that's in you forever. And I don't know that very many people experience it, but I think we've all met some people who have experienced it. And those people are very secure. They're not they're not the people who are like, I'm very secure because that's overcompensation. But the people that are are calm and collected and connected, there's something about someone who has experienced deep unconditional love from birth. Like they they can move in the world differently because they don't have anything to prove. They don't have to act because them just being was enough. They didn't have to ever put on a face. They didn't ever have to pretend they liked something that they didn't like to be like to make a to to forge a bridge of connection between them and their caregiver. They just them just being was perfect. And for most of us, that wasn't the experience. And so then that manifests in different ways. And the way you described it was, I think if I'm hearing you right, is that you want to be heard. But that will take a backseat as long as you can be seen or validated. Yeah. And it's interesting because the way you described your experience, like we have a lot of similarities and we get along so well. And my my it didn't resonate with me the way you described it. But similarly of like, okay, well, I want to I'm going to find a like inside I'm gonna be myself like I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace my weird like I got my Darth Vader Barbie on my desk I have my um just like all my weird shit everywhere and and like my my love of the macabre like I just I've always been a little bit weird and but at the same time in order to get along I will exhaust every ounce of my energy I will exhaust every until I'm out of fumes and this car is dead. I will exhaust in order to present appropriately. I will never have a tantrum. I will never I will never say I need to be heard. I'll go afterwards and like write it down or talk to my therapist or like if I was having a problem with a boyfriend, I would then talk to my friends. If I was having a problem with my friends, I would talk to my boyfriend. If I'm having a problem with my mom, I talk to my therapist. Like, I will never ever cause a wave because that is that's death to me. Like, that's death. Until recently, I'm like I'm learning that like that's super unhealthy and 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 exhausting myself in order to make somebody think that I am what they want me to be. It, that's old shit. That's that's so it's, old. It's to- I, it's totally old. And I have a I actually have a good example of this because it's almost kind of laughable that this is one of the moments that I've had in the last couple of years that really made me dive deeply into realizing that this is how I've been living my life. So my husband grew up in a very like family or I'll just say like family oriented home. Everybody was they were friends with their neighbors, their neighbors were friends with their neighbors, and everybody kind of like hung out together. And like, you can just imagine he had one of those homes where friends were constantly coming in and out, and they were always welcome. And it's just how we grew up. And both of his parents are still married, and they have a very loving relationship. And of, of course, 
I would be attracted to that because mm-hmm. that's not really the way that I grew up. <laughs> I'm laughing because so growing up, we used to have this joke with my mom that she hated dropper inners. She was not a friendly person. And she like, she'll, she'd admit it to you this day. She's like, I do not like people. And I don't like it if someone like if a neighbor knocked on her door to be like, welcome to the neighborhood. She'd be like, why the fuck are you here? (laughs) So primarily, that was just like how I grew up. And I think what's really interesting is this is the thing about roles. You as a human being can just be and it can change like we have human emotion. We have a spectrum. So some days you feel really like social and you want to be out there in the world and you want to put yourself out there and you want to be in positions like that. But then some days you just don't, right? Depending on what's going on in your life, things are going to change. So that's why roles can get really complicated because when we have an expectation about what something should be, if we don't feel like we fit into it at that moment, shit gets fucking weird. So a couple of years ago, my husband is like the most social person on the planet. He could literally talk to a wall. He talks on the phone more than I do. It's just who he is. I can't wait to meet. I cannot wait to meet him. Oh my God. I can't wait. (laughs) I was going through a really tough time in, in just my life in general. I was at the end of my rope with all things, even my, you know, my marriage, everything was having a hard time at that point in my life. And I remember that my neighbor, I think she texted, she has two young boys that live in the neighborhood. They live in the neighborhood. And she had texted me and my husband, I think on the same like text chain. And she was like, yeah, come if you want to come over tonight, like we're having pizza. It's pizza night. And just like if you want the kids to play and she she's a newer neighbor. So I don't know her that well. And I literally had like a visceral reaction to this text message because literally this is what my brain did. It was like, well, if I say no, I don't want to go over there and make an excuse or whatever it is. And the reason I was feeling that way is because I just was so, it's like what you were saying earlier, like I was so depleted at that time. The thought of going over to someone else's home to make small talk. acting like a new friend and and being polite and wearing clothes that aren't ripped sweats and like that requires effort. So much. Yeah. And so that felt like, death to me in that moment. But also, I didn't want to disappoint my husband who I'm sure, you know, I'm making all these assumptions about what he's thinking. I did, uh, this is this is the other side of this conversation is that we make all these assumptions about what the other person has about what other expectations that person has for us. But I'm like if I don't go over there, that's going to be so disappointing to my husband because he's going to be like, well, this is how I grew up. And it's so good for you to make friends and social connections. And, you know, come on, you never leave the house and you don't go out. And it's good for the kids to be social with other kids. And I remember having this like inner turmoil going on in my brain. And like, you know, what, whatever, like fast forward, that was the first time that I recognized how much energy I was spending on just trying to like figure out if I was going to my neighbor's house, right? So ridiculous. But we ended up having, you know, a really long in-depth conversation about that. And I think, you know, we've both come out of that side of a challenging time in our life. But like, that was the first time I realized that I was like abandoning myself to please other people on the most ridiculous minor things in life. Well, and what's 
kind of hilarious in hindsight, obviously not at the time, is that you were concerned about the energy that you were going to have to spend to go over to this woman's house and be there. And, and to do that worrying, you wasted so much energy. Like, I forget the exact numbers, but our brain uses like a huge amount of our calories and our like our energy. And you were all up in your brain. Like, okay, well, she's going to think this and she's going to think this. And what if they do this? And blah, blah. like, you're just spinning your wheels is like wasting is just it's truly just wasting energy. And from like, a, I don't necessarily want to say like yogic place, but like from, a, well, I'll say from our podcast place, one possibility that you may not, you probably didn't even contemplate is and could have been the most powerful is showing up exactly as you are, exactly as you were feeling that day, completely depleted in your ripped sweatpants. And you could have shown up there with like, I don't know, what do people bring to other people's houses? A bottle of wine or, you know, I don't know, a six pack of beer or something and been like, thank you so much for inviting us over because I could not have cooked dinner tonight if I even wanted to. And I truly don't want to. Like, I'm so grateful that like of all the days today, you invited us over. And, you know, this isn't how I am all the time. But like, man, I am pooped. And she might have been like, God, isn't it so hard to be a mom? I know. Thank you for showing me that like, you're not perfect either. Like, mm-hmm. this is why we're here talking because I know because we have to we have to do this. Like, we have to show each other our not Instagrammable moments so that everybody like stops thinking that we have to show up perfect all the time because we're nobody is perfect all the time. We have and to stop just- acting and thinking and projecting and assuming. And if we show up exactly as we are, I believe it will become more and more acceptable and more and more people will be like, oh, she did it. And it's not that she doesn't seem to be like she's she didn't die. Look at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. She didn't <laughs> die. So I, I might be able to do it. I'm, I might be able to just like be myself and it won't kill me. I love what you just said about showing up exactly as you are, because That has just sort of been like my mantra for like the last six months, because I will tell you, it takes a lot of practice to to actually do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) But the meaningful connection that you have on the other side of that is so much deeper Mm -hmm. and real because it translates into something that can be sustainable. Yes. It's the it's kind of the only thing, the only way to connect in a real way, because otherwise you're you you're you avert like a pretend version of you is connecting with a pretend version of the other person. That's not really connection, because once you take that suit off and that other person takes the suit off, there's no connection. It has to come from the only way we can really connect with each other is if it comes from our vulnerable places, our true, this is who I really am in this moment right now. Please show me who you really are in this moment. And it could be happy. It could be sad. It could be whatever it is. 
it could be uh it could be like the volume turned down version like you don't have to show me like the depths of you right now like we have to like earn each other's trust and you know you don't have to not everybody deserves full access to us all the time because not everybody is safe but if the connection doesn't come from our real hearts if it comes from like this is what my heart is i am a put together wonderful smart person and then on the days when you're not wonderful put together and smart then you have no connection and then you feel more and more isolated because your connections are based on false versions of you. This is what I'm reckoning with right now is like, oh, of course I'm not still close with friends from high school or college or old boyfriends because until very recently, I wasn't, there wasn't even a real version of me because I didn't even have it because from such a young age, I was just a mirror back to the people around me. And it's until recently that I was like, oh, wait, I I have to, I have to like, I can't just be a mirror. I have to like be the statue holding the mirror or whatever. Like, well, it also gives you opportunity to be multifaceted. So when you can mm-hmm. show up as you are, you can be, again, we keep bringing it back to Barbie, but you can be the Nobel Peace Prize winner. You can be stereotypical Barbie. You can be Dr. Barbie. You can be all of the things. But when you try to squeeze yourself into the expectation of the other person versus showing up as you are, then you can only be one thing. And that one thing that you're trying to be is not actually real. Because if there's anything we know in life is that change is constant and forever. Mm-hmm. Everything is impermanent. You're absolutely right. Nothing is permanent. Our thoughts, our feelings, our bodies, nothing is permanent. And I think that that's a really beautiful and important thing for us all to remember that even if we try to contain ourselves as one thing, that we're going, our needs are going to change. Everything is going to change. And so we have to meet ourselves and accept ourselves each and every day. And that translates into meeting and accepting each other each and every day also. And the more and more we practice that on ourselves, the easier it is on each other. And the more comfortable the world is going to be. Thank you. Thank you for having this conversation with me today. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining. We will see you next time. Come Clean Pod is produced by Anna Hawthorne and Holly B. All ideas and opinions expressed are evolving and should not be taken out of the context of the larger conversation. We're always learning and we'll continue to do our best. Take what you need. Don't worry about the rest. If you like the pod, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us together on Instagram at ComeCleanPod, Ando at yours truly Ando, Holly is at HB Lionheart, or email us to ComeCleanPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Until next time.